0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel.
1: And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 255th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 850th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June twenty third, two 2022. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier-Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers applaud the national championship. The Banner Moment this week is in honor of the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Women's athletics have provided Indiana fans with some great stories recently. Lily King, enough said. She just won her first ever 200-meter breaststroke gold medal and I think 13th gold medal overall from the world championships. Grace Berger and the women's basketball team has had a successful run recently. Without the passing of Title IX, we would miss out on some great achievements, and the Indiana Athletic Department website has done a nice job of honoring those connected to the university who have helped women's sports become what they are today. They list 30 Indiana University pioneers of Title IX, like Isabella Hutchinson, the first athletic director for women's sports, Mary May, the first equipment manager for women's sports, Elizabeth Buzz Kerpius, first academic services director in the Big Ten, Diane Stevenson, first scholarship softball player, Tara Vandeveer, IU graduate and outstanding college basketball coach. Along with those five, there are 25 other pioneers with connections to Indiana University listed on the website, along with the short biography describing their outstanding contribution to women's athletics. Thanks to those listed and those not listed for their hard work and dedication to women's sports, we also appreciate the Indiana Athletic Department for recognizing their efforts. So we suggest spending some time on the website remembering these great Hoosiers. For all the girl dads and girl moms here in our network and in the chat, to Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe of the Doing the Work podcast, and to all the young female athletes who have a program like Indiana University Athletics to look up for to, for inspiration. Uh, let's hope we can look forward to another 50 years of successful women's athletics at Indiana University. Okay, let me introduce my uh, co-host this week. Jared is off this week, uh, but here with me to my left is the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, the Steve Kerr of Girls Juice Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, and one of the world's most renowned bracketologists. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottom. If you want the top, you gotta go bottom If you want the top, you gotta go bottom it's the one and only andy bottoms andy what is your bottom line uh in the last week in indiana basketball or athletics
0: well really from a basketball standpoint the biggest news was the big 10 schedule coming out which we uh will talk about a little bit later um i think probably reasons to say that uh you know, I use doesn't look all that favorable, though. I'd probably remind everybody anytime we or or anyone else has done these kinds of exercises, it's probably prudent to not be exactly what everybody thought. So, uh, we'll we'll see about that. But uh, you you know, the other Big Ten uh, news, albeit coming from a rival, was the uh, the death of Caleb Swanigan uh, this week, and uh, just a, a young man gone far too soon, and and really overcame a lot. Uh, in his uh, in his life, as you read some of the things about his background and uh, how the early parts of his life played out, and and I think some of those came full circle as uh, he ended up out of the NBA. Um, just a, a you know just a, a sad thing. A guy who was a, a, a tough one to compete against, a tough one to watch your team play against. There, but uh, you know, rest in peace uh, to him, and uh, and and certainly you know thoughts to his family in the in the wake of his passing
1: uh agree totally uh just just tough news uh, to hear someone um like that that young uh, pass away so to my right a recent iu grad and recent hire at wdrb in louisville covering high school sports iu and some other universities south of uh, indiana uh, a young man known to recreate the watch shot every night uh, before he sleeps uh, please welcome uh recent grad griffin gonzalez griffin so glad to have you here uh what are your thoughts on the state of indiana athletics here this summer
2: yeah guys i mean talk about a summer of just i was talking to some fans about it last week it's a good summer to just refresh and kind of be excited for the future i mean even in indiana athletics i mean there's a lot of unknowns a lot of change but a lot of positive momentum overall and um in every program you look at so kind of excited with the unknown kind of excited to see what's to come here in the coming months and it's 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 a fun time to be an indiana athletics supporter or fan
1: and, and a lot to look forward to um coming up this fall with with a couple of the the sports uh, this fall as well a lot of questions around football and and volleyball going forward we like to see those work out but this is what we have in store for us this week we'll talk in segment 1 about some hoosier headlines Uh, segment two will break down indiana's big 10 schedule that was released uh last week Uh, and segment three will answer a few of your questions uh from the community and all of that is coming up this week on assembly call radio All right, it's time to talk about our presenting sponsor. Uh, this edition of the Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And they just released a sweet felt pennant featuring the original Bison logo. Get yours while supplies last. Homefield also has something for fans and grads of other schools. Considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? So, go to HomeFieldApparel.com and use our promo code HOME to for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, um, some Hoosier headlines. Race Thompson, last uh, Thursday, we had had our show a day early Uh, on Thursday. He had uh, a media availability and had some interesting comments about his shooting and specifically freshman Caleb Banks. Uh, We had uh, the Switchyard event back home network, which Griffin took part in with. Uh, Galen uh, Clavio, and and interviewed uh, Anthony Leal, Jordan Geronimo, and Miller Kopp, and we'd like to uh, hear Griffin's personal take on on those interviews. And then um, Jalen hood Shafino had uh, a media availability today uh, and was really interesting uh, to watch him speak. uh, And, you know, you can't learn a whole lot from media availability, but he is really uh, exciting to me. Uh, coming into the program as we mentioned earlier lily king uh she's just simply a badass keeps winning and winning and winning um won a gold medal in the world championships a 200 meter breaststroke it's her first ever in that event uh but i believe uh, like i said a 13th overall Uh, lily just keeps um making us proud here at indiana university and also news came out about indiana offering uh, academic awards to student athletes based on a criteria of APR points and, and where they stand academically that could uh, mean over two semesters just shy of $6,000 uh, for, for student athletes on full scholarships or partial scholarships. So that news uh, broke today. Andy, which one of those uh, highlights would you like to start off and, and talk about?
0: Well, one guy you uh, that, that was brought up at the Switchyard event, um, by I think it was Anthony Leal, and that Ray Thompson also brought up was Malik Renault. So definitely some good early buzz uh, on him uh, as you as you think through it that way. But I thought it was exciting, and, and certainly will give Griffin the floor to talk through, you know, kind of the the vibe that, that he and Galen were able to pick up from the uh, you know the three players that they uh, had at the the Switchyard event for the Hoosier Ticket Project. But uh, it seems like you know, everything really positive, easy to be positive in the off season. As everybody knows, uh, everything looks good, sounds good. Everybody's the best shape they've ever been in, uh, improve their jump shot, all those kinds of things. But, uh, but, but it it does go back to at least from a chemistry standpoint, it feels like there's a lot of that with the team. And, uh, we, we've had other times over the course of doing the show and watching IU when that hasn't been the case. So, uh, I think there's still positives to take away from that, even though you probably got to take uh, a lot of it with a grain of salt, but, Uh, Certainly the the thoughts of other guys being able to step up and and already show some things uh, this early on in the process as freshmen is is a good sign for sure.
1: You, you you bring up a good point. Everything in every program across the country is all roses right now because that's what everyone's going to say. No one's going to say they're off to a horrible start in the summer. But there are some key things that I heard. Uh, one, it just keeps impressing me as I think Coach Woodson's communication. That's why he's getting recruits. He's talking about where people are playing and what they need to do. And some of that came out in, in all of these media availabilities and, and the the Switchyard event. So for those of you who, who aren't aware um, – Hoosier Ticket Project had a dine-and-donate uh, brunch at Switchyard uh, for the Hoosier Ticket Project, which uh, is, is awesome, in getting fans to Indiana athletic events for the first time. And part of the back-home network, we were able to uh, get Anthony, Leo, Jordan, Geronimo, and Miller Cop uh, in uh, for a, a live interview in front of uh, the people who joined at Switchyard, and Griffin was there to ask questions. If you haven't listened to that podcast, we suggest the Crimson Cast podcast go and listen to it. But, Griffin, you were there and, and talked to the – to the three uh, basketball athletes. So your takeaways from that event.
2: Yeah. I think the big thing for me guys is it's kind of refreshing to hear from Indiana basketball players who sound like they're having fun in the off season. It sounds like they're having fun in practice. It sounds like they're having fun getting to play with these new guys alongside some of the old guys. You know, Leo was saying a little bit about he's playing with a lot of the younger guys He's playing with four freshmen on his practice squad. And just how he's one of the more vocal guys and I can't think of somebody better to have on a team if he had truly is one of those more vocal guys is going to be building you up uh taking you down when you need to be taken down a little bit and I just think this is a team right now that is built with a lot of depth and a lot of strength and a lot of youth and it just feels like the pieces are slowly coming together am I saying Indiana just hang the banner now no but I am saying that it's going to be fun again. And I think that's where this team and Mike Woodson was really trying to go here in the next two years. And I was saying this on, you know, last week, I said, if you are an Indiana fan, is this not exactly what you wanted heading into year two with Mike Woodson? And would you have imagined this heading into year two with Mike Woodson? A lot of people like myself didn't really believe he could make this much progress this quickly. So, um, there's a lot to be positive about, but like you guys said, it's the off season. Everything's positive right now. There's not a lot of hard critiques. There's not a lot of on court play. There's not a lot of things we can actually look at and critique. So sure. Right now, everything's good. I'm excited. I think the big thing for them is how quickly can the freshmen develop? How much gameplay can they actually get in? Um, and, And you know, a lot of guys on this team, like Jordan Drummond, who's last week, who has a lot of development in him as well that needs to occur this off-season for this team to take the next level. Uh, Jordan said he's trying to play a three. Um, I like his potential there, uh, based on what I saw last season. Not sure how that's going to look. I'm a little concerned with him being an on-ball, def- an on-ball defender, excuse me. Um, but if he can develop that and he can develop ball-handing skills, I think he can be a very dangerous threat at three. Um, You know, We've seen guys in the past, like we saw an OG and Ananobi do it more recently. Uh, Before him, it was Victor Oladipo guys coming into that next year, and you see them make that giant leap into becoming a top 10 NBA draft prospect. Am I saying that's the next step for JG? Not exactly, but I I think he could have that type of an off-season growth program, and I think they've been really focused on working with him, Um, and I think he is going to be the X factor for how successful this team can be. We know what X can do. We know what TJD can do. We know what race can do. We're going to see what these freshmen can do, but I really think JG is going to be the one who determines whether this team is going to finish top three or top five in the big 10 next year.
1: Yeah. You can bring up some, some good points. Uh, obviously, uh- a lot of players are working on their weaknesses, but you know, for Anthony Leo to see more time, he's going to have to be able to handle the ball, uh, whether that be a point guard or just off the wing, and not just be a set uh, type of shooter. If Geronimo's going to play the three, his ball handling skills and his ability to defend. And so these guys are bringing up what they're working on, which you know, it would just be derelict of duty if, if the coaching staff didn't get them to work work on these things. But I also found it interesting that they're playing the four freshmen together uh, with, with Anthony Leal, which leads me to believe that they're dividing up into three teams. You have some walk-ons there that you're splitting up the veterans, and it's two veteran groups kind of going against the, the young guys with, with Anthony Leal and that's kind of like bringing them up to speed and 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 again you, you saw a lot in in your interviews with Miller Cop, and, and Leo especially the leadership portion one from a guy who transferred in one uh, from a Bloomington based high school player who just uh, wanted to be at Indiana for a long long time it does feel a lot different than in in the most recent years as far as that having fun um, and working towards something and and to answer your question, I didn't think Indiana would be here in the second summer under Coach Woodson, and that necessarily isn't a knock on Coach Woodson. That, that's just how difficult it would be any time you start a program to move the culture and the winning combined with the culture that fast. Um, and, and you know, really, uh, I think the program is along faster, uh, has grown faster than than what we thought. But some interesting yeah. notes well- – Go ahead. On,
0: on Geronimo, and I think Griffin brought up what it means from a basketball perspective potentially for this year's IU team. I think the other thing that becomes important there, and this is, I think to most fans, secondary to to what IU does, but their ability to potentially bring him along and and help him develop his game in a way that makes him a viable three is something that they could potentially use to recruit other players and things like that. I think that's one of the I don't know, questions, whatever that, that may still be lingering about this is, you know, player development. What does that look like under this coaching staff? And do you have a guy you can kind of hang your hat on? I mean, that was always the thing with Crean uh being able to do that with with Victor and and OG. And part of that was those guys being willing to work, being freak athletes. There's a lot more to it than you know, putting in the work and 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 that doesn't all fall on the coaches. The the players deserve a lot of credit for that as well. But I do think it's a potential case that they could really showcase to other guys that they want to bring in and develop if they're able to effectively do that with geronimo that bears fruit on the basketball court as well if it works out there but i think on the recruiting trail uh it's that that one becomes that storyline becomes pretty important too
1: I, I agree and i think another storyline guys is is how how soon these freshmen are going to play griffin i think you brought that up um you know, they're talking about how Renault is is a beast and you know, making those comments, and Euro stepping through two people and uh, fadeaway jumpers, and then uh, you know the uh, race talks about Caleb Banks uh, being really smooth and 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 being a if he can shoot the basketball, he's going to find time. We know CJ Gunn can shoot the basketball, and then listening to Jalen Hood-Shafino today, it was just an impressive 13 minutes. Um, you know, a lot of freshmen come in and, and they give. <coughs> You know, he gave pretty regular canned answers as well, too. But there there was a sense of maturity that he didn't look like a freshman in, in his first media availability today. Uh, and, and I just really like the fact that he's proud of his defense, uh, that he loves to play point guard and get his teammates involved. I mean, little things behind the words that these guys are saying. Uh, I think you can read in some positives uh, about that. Obviously, when the ball's tipped uh, and, and there's playing time to be, you know, decided upon, that gets a little bit more uh, of a struggle on who plays and who doesn't play. But, but there are some things I think you can look at and see some just common things. But Jalen hood Shafino to me, I almost watched it a second and a third time because it just really was uh, an impressive media availability if anyone else hasn't seen that. Uh, Griffin, let's go back to your question about the freshman, though. Um, what is your thoughts? And I, I know we haven't seen them other than film clips and all, all of that. And we know that Coach Woodson sometimes played his veterans and went with the the hockey kind of substitute and then didn't go uh, sub much in the second half. Do you think that continues, or do you think these guys really force the issue and and speed up, as Woodson is saying, and end up playing a little more?
2: Uh, You know, I I really think Indiana's in a good position where you are not in a position to rely on freshmen. And I think people are like, well, they need to get more playing time. We gotta give them more reps. Yes and no. I mean, the fact that you're a program that doesn't need that right now is a good thing. That's not something you don't want to be having to play your freshmen. You don't want to have them in crucial, down the stretch, deep, late, Big Ten games, needing to make plays. You want those guys to gain those experiences over time. So I think, you know, I look for Hutch Fino to really compete, flirt with that starting lineup early. I don't expect him to be a day one starter. I think he can make his way there. Um, I'm excited to see that competition with X. We saw how great X was at the end of the year. I think Shafino could possibly flirt with that one, two. Um, I do not think he's there at day one. I don't think Mike Woodson's the kind of coach who, if he doesn't absolutely buy it, he's going to be there. Uh, I think at the end of the day, I, I really think a lot of these guys are going to take time and grow and nurture themselves and really earn that time. Um, you know, I don't think Woodson's the type of recruiter he's going around pra- promising guys time. And saying, hey, you're gonna you're gonna start our first Big Ten game of the year. I don't think he's that type of guy. Um, I think he's gonna do whatever the best lineup is to win games. And I'm not sure if putting all those freshmen in there right now, right away, is the best way. You know what this lineup can do. We saw it in March, we saw it in late February. We know that these guys are capable of winning big time games on big stages. It's of when they learn to play together. You know, I said this on Saturday. You saw two different Indiana teams last year. You saw one at the beginning of the year that was scrappy, that kind of looked like they were figuring it out, figuring out each other's strengths, weaknesses, how coach wanted them to play, putting away that past administration to start with the new administration and kind of figure it all out. Then once they figured it out, things started to click. You kind of saw at the middle of the, I would say, the last 10 minutes of the Michigan game, you saw something switch. And then you saw the entire Illinois game and you saw a team compete with two of the best teams in the country and most hot teams of the country at the time. I think that's the Indiana we're going to see coming into next season. You're going to see an Indiana team that's going to be gearing to go. And I think the goal of the freshman next season is really just how can you put your stamp on this team? How can you, you know, kind of come in and add your own blend of something there? How can you, bring something different to the table. And that's not always offense. That can be defensive intensity. That can be on ball pressure. That can be full court pressure. That can be something different. But I think we always expect as we see these guys like Apollo Banchero, who went number one tonight, he comes in his freshman year and just dominates a lot of very few players in this country are going to do that. I think what's more important is, you know, coming in and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to be that guy because they have a TJD. They have a JG. They have an X. They have guys who have done that already who prove they can win at that. What can I bring to the table when you have this deep of a roster? That's a really important mindset, and I think Woodson's going to play whoever can come up with that mindset.
1: And
0: it'll, it'll really be it'll it'll really be interesting to see. I, I think last year it was easy to say for Woodson um, that first year he's just going to ride with the guys that are veterans while he tries to kind of get his feet wet with the with the program and the college game and whatever. <laughs> And I think to a certain extent, you know, the freshman didn't necessarily do anything that jumped off the page that said these guys absolutely have to play more. So he was able to to kind of stick with that um, as the season went on. I think the question becomes this year you'll start to get a little bit better idea of, like, is that going to be his MO going forward all the time? Is that just his uh, default setting, if you will, or – uh, or is he more apt to do that if the situation warrants it? And, and does that show that he's more comfortable or has, you know, a different vision of kind of how he subs and does different things in the game? So I'm really curious to see that. I I think we'll learn a lot about what we can expect from him, you know, in subsequent years this year, based on how he's able to sprinkle those guys in. I know we lamented a lot last year of not being able to get those guys more minutes at, at various times. And, uh, we'll see if there's a course correction for that this year or if it turns out that that's just how he likes to uh, to do things.
1: One of the things is a lot of competition. You know, it, it'll just uh, – it, it'll sharpen everyone, uh, and you look forward to that. Uh, you look forward to that in practice. You look forward to that uh, in the games. And, and I'm really high on, on Caleb Banks as, as a talent. And I agree, Griffin. I think Hood, Shafino and Renault are going to play. The question is how much are they going to play and and, and can Hood Shafino crack that starting lineup? I think Renault for sure obviously with Race and TJD back. But the interesting one that I'm going to watch is is Caleb Banks uh, because of his shooting uh, and I think you got guys behind the the regulars. Tamar's going to have to come back and shoot, Miller's going to have to come back and shoot or you're going to see the opportunity for freshmen to play more than than what happened, but they're going to have to earn it uh, over time. So Um, Those are our Hoosier headlines um, coming up um, here on Assembly Call Radio. We're going to take a look at Indiana's Big Ten schedule and talk about some of the teams that got a good break or maybe a bad break uh, and get our initial reaction on the challenging schedule for IU. Should you be concerned as a fan, stick with us.
0: This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the Assembly Call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on.
1: Welcome back to the Assembly Call. Ryan hasn't joined us yet, so uh, Ethan, thanks for listening. We we do appreciate uh, your fandom of the show. Uh, I'm Coach Tonsoni here um, with Griffin Gonzalez and Andy Bottoms, and we're going to break down uh, some Big Ten schedules, specifically Indiana's uh, schedule. That was uh, released uh, late last week, and um, we'll get get thoughts on that. Um, but anyway, Indiana's schedule is home games, single home games against Nebraska, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Single away games, Maryland, Minnesota, and Penn State. And then home and away against Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue, and Rutgers. Uh, a lot of people in the media, uh, and including myself when we get around to talking to it, think that that is probably one of the tougher schedules. On paper, in the summer, uh, and as Andy alluded to earlier in the show, anytime you do an exercise like this, it all falls apart uh, due to a couple injuries or something happening or one team popping up. Uh, Michigan was the favorite last year at this time and finished uh, eighth in the, in the conference. So it would have been, you know a top tier schedule in, in July and maybe at the end of the season ranked. So there's a lot of factors that go into, into that. Um, but Indiana, let's uh, Indiana, Andy, let's get your thoughts on um, the teams that in, Indiana has to face in the big 10 and how you think uh, that plays out.
0: It, yeah, I think on the surface, it, it does look difficult when you think about the, at least the projected pecking order of the league uh, as as you get through that, you know, IU, plays it, it you know the other I mean, three teams kind of thrown around toward the top of the league illinois michigan michigan state uh iu has you know they play uh, all three of them twice uh, and then you you shift into maybe that next tier of ohio state purdue uh you know maybe iowa's in there uh, you know you've got double plays against two of those and and more than that you're trying to kind of look at where you might get some easy wins which you know, the way you you had put this together was Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, kind of the consensus bottom of the league. Maybe you throw Penn State in that, uh, and and three of those four are ones that IU only plays once, with a couple of them on the road. And you know at the uh, at the barn at Penn State, where IU's had more trouble than you would like to admit uh, over the over the years. So on the surface, it looks that way. Like I said, I think we've come into other seasons and said, man, it looks like IU has a really favorable schedule. And then you're hovering around 500, trying to figure things out. Now maybe that just means the team wasn't that good, and the schedule was just as easy as you thought it was, and and you just couldn't do anything with it. But realistically, if IU does enter the season as the favorite, you know there will be tough games that you have to win in order to win the Big Ten, no matter what. And if you shift realistically with the way the league's laid out, you might shift one one or two games into a you know maybe a lower tier and balance things out a little bit differently. I don't know that in the grand scheme of things, it's all that different. And if you want to really uh, prove that you're the best in the league, then it shouldn't matter what the schedule is. And you just got to figure out how to win games. But yeah, I agree on the surface. It doesn't look all that favorable. We may be saying something different when uh, the season rolls around and maybe it's not quite as difficult as you think, but I think most of the teams that they play twice are going to be toward the top of the league. At least it feels that way.
1: Let me add, I'm not sure if I added Purdue is, is twice and Rutgers. Uh, I think I stopped at Northwestern, uh, but Purdue and Rutgers both both home and away. One one of the things, Andy, that that it, it is interesting. You have trouble at the barn at times. You have trouble at Penn State, but would you rather? You know, I think you'd rather play the lower teams away, uh, and have some tougher tougher teams at home rather than going on the road and and your single plays being on the road because uh, your single tough games being on the road. So maybe that's a plus in this schedule if you're trying to find a positive, that the away single games are Maryland, Minnesota, and Penn State. And on paper, you should win those three. Uh, And if you go by hold court at home and get 10 and find five wins on the road, you know, you have those single games and then you have a a Northwestern there. So that gives you uh, four away games that you probably should win if you're expected to be a top 15 team in the country uh on the road so now you got to find one more uh road uh game and and you probably can in in some of the purdue rutgers iowa type stuff so that's the one bright spot that that i do see but yeah the six um top tier games home and away makes this a, a, a tough schedule griffin as you look at the schedule what kind of things stick out for you
2: uh that you don't have to go to Columbus or Wisconsin that's that's what sticks out to me I think that's that's the
1: opposite (laughs) of my argument there too about having the 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 lesser teams on the road you have some teams that you struggled with on the road at home only uh is a positive I agree yeah I I
2: mean I honestly think that trip to the Kohl Center is never an easy one it's cold it's dark it's usually it's central time so it's usually a later tip it's just it's never fun to go to you know Madison in you know December, January, February. So um, I, I really do think that actually is a advantage for Indiana. I, I mean, as for Ohio State, I mean that's just it's a tough road environment. I mean, if it, they can bring it, um, I, I really just love what Ohio State basketball has done over the past five years in the way that they've built teams to be always just so tough. They might not be they not they, they might not make the tournament, but they're going to be difficult to play against. So. In fact, you get to avoid that. Um, I I see that as two wins right there. Um, As far as the Maryland-Minnesota Penn State thing goes, uh, like you said, I mean, those are three very, very winnable games. Those are winnable games year in and year out. Maryland is, in my opinion, one of the biggest messes in college basketball right now with with the situation they have ongoing. Um, Minnesota's tough, but I know a lot of guys actually enjoy playing there. They like the risen floor. it's a experience um and Penn State who I actually think is an up-and-comer I think you know Struber's doing a great job there I think he's going to build maybe not a contender but somebody who can kind of mess with you kind of like a Minnesota if you don't give them your all you can't get beat um kind of changing the culture there uh so I, I do the one I would be worried about there is that Penn State game in the sense that I think they're tougher um as for the home and away you're going to face these teams twice I mean what year is Indiana not going to face Michigan state, Michigan, Purdue, and Illinois twice. I know the Illinois one has been kind of on and off every once in a year, but usually the, for those three teams, you're going to get them twice a year, every year, with that kind of college basketball rivalry and storyline there. So um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's difficult in the stance that big 10 going to be a little down this year. Um, and and Indiana is getting the harder of those teams, but this is, I, I mean, with where Indiana's out, I think you should look at this schedule and say, you know, it's, you know, it's early, but that, that's not terrible. I, it could be way worse. Um, you know, it could have your – you could be facing Ohio State twice. So I, I think it could be worse, um, but I, I really do think this is a, this is something they can work with. I like the matchups. Um I'm, I'm just – I'm excited to see what they do with this Big Ten schedule, and I'm excited to see how the Big Ten turns out because, like I said, it can be a down year. A lot of crazy stuff happens when Big Ten goes through down years, and I know sometimes they say Big Ten's going to be down, and then they end up getting eight teams in. So it can be – all kind of stuff can happen, so we'll be excited in year for sure. Uh,
1: I, I agree with you on Penn State. Uh, I watched them in the in the Big Ten – tournament up close uh, and, and they were impressive uh, even when they they got beat uh, and I think Shrewsbury's gonna do something so that that away game seems to be the toughest um, in the single uh, single place obviously Andy um, I guess this goes to just our pecking order but um, you know if there's some home games we have 10 home games there if you could pick which one for the assembly call uh, meetup uh, what, what are your top two or three teams on that schedule? Uh, according to what they're going to have next year, would you like to come over to Bloomington and watch?
0: Well, given how the Big Ten usually schedules, I'm sure they'll yeah. all be on like a Sundays, Thursday, a Monday night or something yeah. like that. But, uh, I, you know, the the Purdue one always rises to the top of the list, quite honestly, for, for everybody. Um, I think once you look past that one, um, you know, always a good environment for Michigan state, Michigan would be one for maybe a, a chance for IU that's a team outside of the big 10 tournament that I use not played all that well against of late. Um, you know, I think those would probably be the, of the, of the big 10 games, probably the top three in in some order with pretty Michigan state, Michigan, although, you know, Fran is always entertaining, but I don't know that I don't know how good I was supposed to be. So they're, they're not quite up at the top of that list for me,
1: man. Illinois- I know he is. I know he is for you though. Yeah. Right. But- uh, no, Illinois and Michigan games were kind of, heartbreakers last year. I'd kind of like to go back and see us uh, uh, beat those teams. And 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 one of the things, too, is there's a lot of motivation for this Indiana team. They won nine games in the Big Ten last year. Seven of them were against teams that were lower than them, uh, lower than the ninth team. And they only won uh, the Ohio State and Purdue game against teams that were uh, one through eight through the conference. So they should have a lot of internal motivation. One, not, not just to get revenge, but if you really are going to be thought of as a top team in the Big Ten, you owe some people um, for for some tough losses, uh, some s- losses over the last three or four years when these guys have been here, um, and so you know you want to play, you want to play some of these guys uh, on the schedule. Um, do you think how how much do you think the scheduling? And I know there's some data, Andy. We probably should have dug through this, but um, what. Well, I'll throw it to Griffin first, and then we'll come back to Andy. How much does the schedule end up playing? Not so much what we think about it in July, but if you go back in March right before the Big Ten tournament and you see who seeded one and who seeded seven and eight, how much do you think the strength of schedule within the conference uh, plays a role in in who gets the top two or three spots?
2: Uh, I think it's part of it, but I think the Big Ten also tries to maintain a mentality of – fairness uh you know i think that's kind of their goal or at least their goal on paper i think the first thing is they want to make sure um, you know there are protected you know there are games that we want to see twice a year and there are games we really could care less if we see twice a year they're probably not too worried about keeping that indiana penn state double header going year in and year out but meanwhile that indiana purdue game i mean you guys see the ratings of those broadcasts they're going to want to keep that every year so i think their main priority one is fairness and making sure you know everyone's playing everyone gets a familiar foe if they're they've played one time over the past two seasons let's give them twice this year uh but the second big priority for them is big 10 network's going to need somebody to watch big 10 games on monday nights in january (laughs) so how can we create a schedule that allows us to get that viewership and you know Northwestern Penn state is not going to be the sexiest game in the late February. You want know, to, to go Indiana Ohio state with both teams fighting for the third spot in the big Ten tournament. Um, you know, that's something that will go into it. I, I think we see a lot of these games kind of slated for the end of the year. That's going to be a tough one. There's a reason IU Michigan state usually plays in February, March, because they're trying to kind of figure out where those teams should be. So I think they set up a lot of those matchups for that big 10 tournament. Um, they want to make sure they get the seating pretty good for that and you know they like to say it's fairness but in reality you know they have tv contracts they have advertisements to sell and they're not going to do that if they're not selling games so you got to make sure you get some good matchups in there as well and I, I think they do a pretty good job of setting up a schedule to get that
1: and and i think uh, iu and purdue is now protected um so they're going to play two in a row I, I think i i read something that today and then Brian in, in the chat says too that it's a similar schedule to 2019. I'd like to go back and see that. I th- do think they have some sort of rotation basis uh, in their in their scheduling um, from from year to year to try to make sure that everyone plays everyone the same amount of times. And so then a strong schedule, weak schedule, kind of just falls on on who's coming back, who leaves for the pros, and and all of that. I I don't know uh if they yeah i don't think each summer doesn't
2: weigh in yeah
1: um so and
2: difficulty of schedule doesn't matter unless you're in the big
1: 10 east so <laughs> that, that that is true andy when, when we look at who uh we're going to look at for bracketology there's a there's a great question overall on the schedule about bracketology i'll throw that to you here coming up but Strength of schedule. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you have four really strong teams, it looks like the team that breaks out might have had a couple breaks uh, when it turns out next year, whether it is what we expect this summer or maybe, say, a team falls from like fourth to down to ninth or tenth, has some injuries. Um, How much do you think scheduling plays uh, because it's not a round robin uh, in this, um, in who wins?
0: Uh, it, it's interesting because it, you can look back at it on Ken Palm the way that, that the conference strength of schedule is done on there. It's a it's a little bit hard to look at after the fact because a little bit it's it, inherently the teams who lose a lot of games lose a lot of games in general to the teams that finish at the top of the league, and it's not necessarily like in reverse order. But there are definitely some as you look through. There are a lot of teams that finish toward the top of the league that look like they had a a weaker conference strength to schedule. Well, influencing the conference strength of schedule is the fact that they beat people and push them down the standings. So it's a little bit hard to look at after the fact. Um, but there are definitely some years, as I kind of scroll through here, a little bit more than others where, uh, like if you look at 2021, you know, the top four teams in the standings had the, according to this, the four weakest conference schedules. Again, I think that kind they of makes sense, sense when, you, yeah, when you kind of think about, like, you played a factor in that. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit tough to look at that after the fact and say, I think with the Big Ten, and, and you know this from looking at bracketology, there aren't a ton of games that will fall outside of the top two quadrants really in any scenario. Um, it, it, and to a certain extent, IU, if we go back to those road games that you had, while they're winnable, even those road games against some of the worst teams can creep into Quad 2 as well. It's getting a lot of home games against the the dregs of the league that can not help you, I guess, is, is the easiest way to say it. So in that regard, you know, maybe if you think about the balancing of the schedule there, that's fine. But, but ultimately, from a strength of schedule standpoint overall, almost any league schedule is going to be good. And unless the league really tanks in the non-conference, you know, at least 10 of the teams are typically playing them anywhere is going to be a quad one or quad two game.
1: Uh, so, uh, in just looking at it today, I thought Indiana and Rutgers had the toughest schedule. They, they have 12 games against the top half, um, where Illinois only has 10, but when you do look at it that way, there's only one game difference, one or two game difference here. You know, most teams will have um, 12 uh, against the top tier. Um, Michigan also benefits from having 10 uh, against the top tier. So. You know, Indiana and Rutgers look to have a little tougher slate as of this summer, where Illinois, Iowa, and Maryland seem to have a little bit uh, less with uh, uh, playing a lot less teams scheduled to be uh, at the back end. Griffin, um, any thoughts on how the schedules break down might influence your pecking order for uh, next year's Big Ten standings?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I, first thing is I think what really matters is just – you know, there are going to be situations where Indiana is going to have sometimes four out of five games be on the road. It's just that's how the Big Ten stretch works. That's how it's scheduling is going to go. Uh, the schedule is meant to have the best teams preserve and win games, not benefit teams that aren't great. And the second thing I'll say about this, if you're an Indiana team who wants to prove to the country that you are truly a top-15 team, you need to be able to beat – Penn state on the road. You need to be able to win at the barn in January. You need to be able to win those games. And if you're not, you're not at the level where you think you should be. Um, So, you know, as much as the scheduling and dates matter the other day, you just got to go out and play your best brand of basketball and win as many games as you can. And um, you know, there are going to be times where, you know, you're going to have a tough stretch of schedule, but to that, I say, you know, you're not going to get its change. You're not going to get an appeal. Uh, You just got to find a way to And you have to understand every every team in America is going to go through stretches of tough schedules. You know, the ACC, half those teams are going to have to go through a North Carolina stretch where they're going to have to play NC State, Duke, North Carolina within a matter of two weeks sometimes. It happens. But what you can do is try to rise above that and bring the challenge on and build a tournament resume that says, hey, they won four out of their five road games against quad one opponents and in march that matters and you know i've always said my big thing on big 10 scheduling is you know fine lose to in february just don't lose to in march you know that's that's when you want to win games and there are going to be drops every big 10 team is going to have a major drop in that january february march um you know you're gonna have a top 10 ohio state team lose to you know an unranked nebraska who's lost 17 straight you know it just that's how the big 10 goes you're gonna have not go undefeated in big 10 play this year next year probably the year after that no matter how good your team is but what you can do is go with the stretch i think the biggest goal for this indiana team this year is don't go on a stretch where you lose two three in a row you know that's an indiana team we've i believe the month of february's been the terrible month for Indiana basketball in the past five years. Let's start at getting you know, a positive record in February above 500 and then move on to, well, let's, can this team win You know, 18 Big Ten games in a year? You know, that's that's the start. And, um, you know, baby steps, yeah, this is still a team that wants to prove they're the number one team in the Big Ten. And to be the number one team in the Big Ten, you got to go on tough stretches and win four or five games in a row sometimes. And that's a tough thing to do in this conference.
1: Andy, as you look at the schedules, your thoughts on, on how you would say the schedule affects maybe the the standings as we look at it way, way, way too early uh, here in June?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I go back to a lot of what Griffin said. I think I, I had mentioned this earlier. I mean, if, if you really believe yourself to be the class of the league or among the top teams in the league, you can't look back after the season and say, well, we would have won the league if we'd only had an easier schedule. Like, that doesn't really – that doesn't really cut it. So, and, and I think the Big Ten this year. We I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago as we were trying to look at where different people had broken out the league. I think there's going to be a lot of parity, and I'm not sure anybody really separates themselves because when you look at preseason rankings uh, that people have, there's a lot of teams really clustered up. Nobody is tends to be in the top 15. Maybe IU. A couple people might have somebody else, but but generally speaking, if if Big Ten teams are in some of these early top 25s are typically in the 20s and then you got a couple other teams who just missed out so i think what you'll end up with is a a, maybe a bigger tier of teams than what you've had in in recent years um and it makes it a little bit hard to parse out you know really like top tier versus the second tier i'm not sure there's a huge difference in those and maybe the top tier is really six or seven teams and if you broke down the schedule that way it wouldn't be as different as it seems like so and and ultimately like, like you said, it's, it's maybe a game different here and there, uh, in the end. But I, I you know, if, if you think you're one of the best teams and you got to beat people and and that is not a crutch and excuse or whatever you want to say that you had it tougher than you, you wish you would have. Um,
1: so to, to finish up uh, this segment, uh, Andy, uh, Andrew Keenly, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, asked a really good question, uh, with the only really news is being the schedule related, uh, with two bracketologists on the mic, I would love to hear the following assess the games we know so far in terms of impact on bracketology potential for Q1 wins and what that means for the difficulty level of the Hoosiers schedule. Um, your, your thoughts on the schedule as we know it, um, without dates, uh, and we're almost complete short of a couple of games in, in the non-conference, how that, um, from a bracketology uh perspective and maybe compare it to, to last year uh schedule which kind of put indiana in peril uh, down the stretch
0: yeah i mean i think you really got two uh, the, the the two top games at kansas and then against arizona in las vegas you can bank on those being quad one opportunities at this point um and I think that's more quad one, even high quad one opportunities than the the whole non conference schedule provided last year, unless I'm totally missing something. Um, so I think you give yourself a good baseline there for having some good chances of games. It won't hurt you if you lose, but can really help you, particularly in the non conference, particularly because both of them are away from home. Uh, if you're able to win one of those, that's a huge feather in your cap as you go forward. Assuming those teams are as good as people would expect them to be. Um, none of the other games that we know about really resonate. I think it depends a lot on uh, what happens to the big 10 ACC and presumably the Gavit games. I think big 10 ACC wise, even though that would project to be a home game for IU, the way they typically do the matchups is they try to tear out the teams. And you might not, if I use ranked by most people to be the top team in the big 10, you might not play the top team in the ACC, but you're going to play one of the top three. So uh, again, it, it, typically is a reasonable assumption that one of the top few teams in the acc even at home is probably a quad one opportunity gabbit games can be a little bit trickier depending upon where it is but if that is ends up being a road game as i think it would be that is also probably likely a quad one opportunity so i think you've got a lot of chances now if you lose all of those somehow no matter how good they are and the rest of your non-conference is made up of games that fall into quad three and quad four, that becomes a little bit problematic. But I think you've at least given yourself likely four opportunities to get top-tier wins.
1: I agree. And in the worst-case scenario, you lose some of those games. Your strength of schedule is going to be a lot better than what it was last year. I'm assuming that it's going to be very close to three, if not four, quad one games in the – in the non-conference and then you look at as you mentioned uh earlier the road games uh against maryland maryland if they're in the top 75 that could creep into a, a road game you know and at least i think maryland and penn state are going to be maybe top uh in in quad twos so again there's there's opportunities there uh obviously when you go on the road to illinois iowa michigan the better teams in the big 10 those are going to uh, the road games are going to obviously be quad ones. And if you get them at home, uh, if they're in the top 30, that also presents. So I just think this schedule uh, presents a lot of opportunities when Indiana's at their best that they've been in the last five or six years to get some uh, good quad one wins and not sweat so much as we did uh, last year needing the, the the Big Ten tournament. And then you also add the possibilities of, of the Big Ten tournament in there uh, helping you out as well. So I think this schedule has a lot more quad one opportunities. Uh, a lot of that is dependent on, on who the schedule is. So uh, way too early to really make anything, uh, you know, set in stone. But again, I think we're all in consensus saying that if you're going to be uh, with the big boys, you better you know beat just about everyone on your schedule or think you can beat everyone on your schedule. So any, regardless of Indiana's strength of schedule, um, we think that uh, you know Indiana just needs to be confident and get better and, and go play them no, no matter what. So um, look forward to more talk of that as the season gets closer. Um, but stick with us here. We'll answer your questions after the break.
2: welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com metaverse impact uh-huh.
1: Hey, it's Romero What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Andy Bottoms and Griffin Gonzalez. Uh, we just got done breaking down the schedule in the Big Ten as, as we can do here in late June. Uh, And now it's time for uh, your questions. And and the mailbag questions were submitted via our our private IU basketball uh, community, which you can learn more about. uh, And also join at assemblycall.com backslash community. That's assemblycall.com backslash community. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre question. Jay with the mediocre question says, "Let's assume that uh, you have a nine guy rotation with X uh, Hood, Shafino, Bates, Cop, a healthy Trey, Geronimo, Race, TJD, and and Renault. So that's the nine out of ten man rotation. Who is your current pick to be the tenth guy in the rotation, and why? Who's going to get the tenth guy minutes? We'll start with you, Griffin."
2: You know what? There's not many fan bases in the country that worry about the 10th guy in a 10-man rotation, so props to Indiana. Hey, here's the deal. That's a great, solid first nine names right there, okay? That's going to get you a lot of wins in the Big Ten Conference to start off. But I think your 10th guy – I've always been a fan of your 10th guy, maybe not being a scholarship guy. This could be a walk-on guy. It's whoever's going to bring you heart. This isn't going to bring somebody who's going to – Gave you ten quick points off a of fast break. Now this could be somebody who's going to come on, provide that spark of energy. Like I said, it can be a walk on a lot of times. It doesn't always have to be, but I, this is going to be somebody who's going to come off the bench and s- going to bring more energy to the roster, into um, the game. And I, I think that's what fans should be worried about: is who's, who's going to be that tenth guy. I, I think it could be Aleel. I think it could be um, a lot of different guys in that roster. So it should be it should be interesting to see who wins that role.
1: Andy. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, as you, as you look at it, it, it feels like. I, a deep it, list. It, yeah. I was going to say, it's not really an easy choice. I mean, if you believe the, the Woodson favoring veterans scenario, you would lean toward Leo cause he seems to be putting him in a bit of a, you know, leadership type role by having him play with the freshmen. Um, I know that it's probably not a name that Jay wants to hear. And then you got Banks and Gunn, who both could give you some shooting and potential like instant offense, where maybe in a pinch you need somebody to step into that role. So um, I guess I would lean toward one of those guys. If I had to pick one, I will say CJ Gunn. Uh, I don't know that I have great uh, rationale for that, but that's what I'll go with.
1: Uh, I don't know if there's a wrong answer to this mediocre question, really, because it's going to depend at that point on on what you need um, at that time. Uh, I do think Griffin's um, idea about uh, having an energy guy, and I would love for it to be Leo, um, absolutely love for it to be Leo. um, But I'm going to probably start the Caleb Banks fan club, and and I don't know that I have any reason uh, to other than, I liked his highlight tape, which, which highlight tape don't you like as, as a fan? So that's really baseless, um, you know. But I, I just think at, at six seven, his ability to post, his ability to drive, his ability to shoot, he's going to work his way into some minutes, especially um, if they need some scoring. And whether that's you know, I, I'm looking at that at the back end of the Big Ten season as he gets his feet wet. Um, but ultimately, I think the guy who gets the tenth most minutes, maybe. Um, will be um, Kayla Banks. So I see there is a random and ridiculous Twitter question of the week, and uh, it's not linked there, and so I'm not going to go mess with that because I'll probably shut off the stream if I do that. So uh, it, we'll just move on to Jared's question. Um, and I think, Andy, this is probably for you and I. If Bracket Matrix started requiring a $1,000 submission fee for your bracket, but then also paid out rewards to the top 10 brackets each season. How, if all, if at all, would it change your preparation approach and enjoyment of the bracketing process?
0: Man. Um, I think about how much time I put into it now when there's really nothing on the line, but bragging rights, it it would probably be a sign that I shouldn't do it quite honestly, because I would then become, uh, a little bit too, uh, I would I would overanalyze things even more than I do today and I would almost certainly enjoy it less than what I do today. Um so that that would be that would be my take on it. I don't know. Now I'd have to fund it myself. Coach, you might be able to fund it through like the school, in which case maybe, or the participants, in which case maybe for you the financial outlay becomes less of a less of an issue. I don't know. Maybe you, you tell me.
1: You, you know, it's an it's an interesting question because you would have to work harder. Um, and you would have to work a lot more um, quietly, too, uh, because you couldn't share. And w- one of the things that I think is really good about the bracketology world is the ability to share information and share thoughts and go on podcasts. Uh, what you do with the, the field of 68 uh, and you get four or five different um, you know, viewpoints on that. Uh, We put out a lot of information, answer a lot of questions with social media. We get our guys and gals doing podcasts and TV shows. That would end um, because you wanted to protect your information. We would kill our website, and we would just put it out at at, at one time. And I think really for what we do at at Bracketology, and what I enjoy is, is meeting and talking to different Bracketologists and doing that, do you want to win the bracket matrix? Yeah. Are we disappointed when we had a year like l- last year?
0: May have, may have just been too much okay. for him. He couldn't, he couldn't. Handle it. I was trying to Sorry. kill those
1: bots. Am I back? Oh, he's back. He's back.
0: I knew it. I knew that. I, I was, was trying to you.
1: talk and kill those bots, and I've done neither. I killed myself, <laughs> and. And I, I can't get rid of those bots at the same time. I need to, there we go. I don't know. I've done it two or three times. There we go. But anyway, getting back to the point. Sorry, I, I, I jumped out of there. Um, Yeah, I, I enjoy sharing information Uh, almost as much as I enjoy, you know, the times we've been second or third and the, the lucky time we, we were first in 2016. Those are great. But it's interesting, guys, because some of our students have said, why do we share so much? If people look at our information and they steal some of our information, then they use that to beat us. Don't we want to be? Uh, and I've tried to talk to him about. It's more of a community than than that. So Jared, I, I don't know if I would necessarily continue unless unless Andy, you and I could consolidate and, and the Back Home Network would put our entry fee.
0: Mm, there we go.
1: That would that would maybe.
0: Yeah. Our entry is sponsored by Homefield apparel and we just like put it in there and then, and then Absolutely. Maybe, we're, uh, maybe we're good. Yeah. It, it, I agree with you. I, I think, I, I think it would make you less inclined to share your rationale when to me, especially in what you're doing. I mean, you're trying to build analytical and critical thinking skills for the students that you have there. It, it, and you guys could still do that within the confines of, of Delphi Bracketology, but to really be able to benefit from, uh, you know, what other people would have to say and, and their thought process and things like that, uh, I think would be a lot more would be detrimental in, in that regard. But I, I would be intolerable, uh, I would yeah. guess, at home leading up to the uh, leading up to and during this election show. Yeah, it would uh, ruin selection for, show. And probably for a few hours afterward. There's times now where I still am like, we'll go back to one a couple hours later and be like, this is just wrong. They shouldn't <laughs> have done whatever and can't let it go. I can't imagine if there was actual money
1: on the line. So it's probably as
0: best for my family and, and everyone involved that that's the not the
1: case. NCA should just hire a few of us in the bracketology world to go for a week, and we'd come up with a, a lot better uh, – bracket but Griffin you, you you know this in your world and you're about to en- enter in that full time and you got some of this as a student what I like to give our students is they put themselves out there and they get talked to on social media and there's those uh, absolutely crazy fans on social media that's a dumb take and that article was horrible without asking questions you know we don't even write articles we just write listicles the top three things from this game and is that analysis you know so we try to give our kids a lot of lessons of, on handling some of that negativity uh, at an early age. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think I would participate um, because I think there's a lot more to it than that. But moving on, um, Patrick Farrow. Griffin
0: won't have to deal with that at all, dealing with uh, IU, Louisville, and Kentucky basketball fans. I, I don't think that's probably uh, he, something he'll need to worry about. Too his much, mentions so will she, be fine.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Don't worry guys. Uh, my insurance plan through work covers therapy just for the sports <laughs> guys because of the uh, IU Kentucky Louisville fan base. So we're, we're set. Don't you worry. Good. Glad I'm, to I'm we're glad you're taking care of it. Up. Up. <laughs> no, no, that's, you know what? I will say that's like the most fun part of the job. I mean, could you, is there a better hotbed other than North Carolina? Is there a better hotbed of just college basketball? I mean, fan wise. I mean, it's this region. It's, it's going to be a fun job. I'm excited. Absolutely. Yeah, that's
1: great. Uh, Patrick, Farrell says, what are the keys to getting a team to peak at the end of the season? Griffin, we'll come to you. You want to be playing better in, in February and March. You brought up the fact that Indiana has not played very well in past February, have had some losing streaks or losing records at least in February, and had to sweat out getting into a tournament this year. What, what are a couple things you think um, Indiana or any program needs to do to play its best uh, late in the season? I
2: think the first thing is understanding that an identity does not need to be found on day one. Uh, you know, they're allowed to find it over the course of the season. I think a lot of guys stress if we need to be our best every single game. And a lot of coaches stress, we need to be a lot of stuff. You're just going to figure out along the way. It's, it's no different than life. You know, you're going to take one step at a time and you're going to mess up. You're going to drop a few, but it, as long as you learn it over time, I mean, look at the college basketball teams that w- were in the final four this year. A lot of them, had down stretches of their season. Kansas, the national championship, had a drought, down stretch of their season. It's going to happen. Uh, it's about limiting that down stretch and understanding how to bounce back from it and return to your roots, or maybe find new roots. And I think for a team to peak at the end of the year, what you really want to do, you got to stay fresh, you got to stay warm, you got to stay healthy. Um, and the biggest thing is you gotta be locked in. I, I think there are so many distractions. I mean, guys, it's college; <laughs> there are gonna be distractions. So be somebody who's not distracted in college right now, especially at Indiana University. Uh, you gotta be able to lock in and understand that there's a bigger goal at hand, um, and, and you're not focused on really the social life. You're not focused on that When It comes to March; it's it's time to play basketball, and that's your only focus. That's your only goal, uh, and that's can be a tough thing to do. I, but I think that's really key. Is When you have a team all on the same page, all with the same mission, all with the same goals and playing together and playing, you know, as a one cohesive unit. And that's kind of what we saw with Indiana towards the end of the year last year. It didn't feel like it was, hey, TJD is really going to have to take over here. It felt like, hey, anybody can take over here because this is a team playing basketball, not just one individual that's when a team can really peak in March. And I think Indiana saw what it did last year, and I think they're going to utilize that again this year where they're not going to try to be at their best in November. They're going to try to develop something over the course of the season.
1: Andy, the keys to playing better at the end of the end of the season. Indiana did not, and then they did um, for a couple games at least uh, play play really good basketball. Uh, your keys to, to getting the team to peak.
0: I think one is, and we talked about this the uh, a lot last year of trying to find ways to get guys rest throughout the season and and get other guys experience at the same time. Uh, again, it'll it'll be interesting to see if Woodson treats those situations differently in year two than he did in year one, whether that's based on his evolution as a coach or the infusion of talent, or maybe a little bit of both. Um, but being able to have guys fresh from that perspective, and I think balance of, of being able to have multiple leaders and multiple guys that you can rely on. You're going to have stretches at various points in the season when one guy goes through a slump. And if you've got enough guys to pick him up and carry the load when things may not be going well, you avoid getting yourself into these multi-game losing streaks that we have become all too accustomed to in these Februarys and some of those kinds of things where you don't have that crisis of confidence as a team in that scenario that you're able to work through that. And I think in some ways that helped IU a lot last year. You, you did have multiple leaders by the end of the season and you kind of had the, you know, the three headed group of, of race trace and and Xavier Johnson, that was really able to help weather some storms. And if one guy struggled in a game or a portion of a game or, or whatever other guys were able to step up and that, that depth that ideally you built over the course of the season will take out maybe some of the highs and lows. And you're just able to, to be a little bit more predictable and consistent from game to game, and that should keep you out of those kinds of losing streaks that really put things off the rails.
1: You know, it's a combination of things you, you guys have already touched upon, but um, you got to taper down towards the end. And every coach and every sport does some tapering uh, for for that. Your practices and your your mental focus has to be um, a lot less, still focused on the the task at hand. But you're practicing two and a half, three hours early in the season. You got to cut that back uh, as the grind of the season comes on, and that goes to Griffin's comment about being fresh. Uh, I think Andy, your your uh, idea about depth. What I would add uh, from the coaching perspective is try really hard to make sure people are comfortable playing with different people, uh, whether it be for injuries or whatever. And that's that early thing again. You know, the early season, you want to win games, and you got to protect that. You know, the quad ones and all that too. But You're also developing, you know, some what-if scenarios, Um, and this is where, you know, the five-man hockey thing, it'll be interesting to see if that continues, or can he mix some of these guys up a little bit? Uh, So when it comes down to crunch time, if there is foul trouble, or as Andy said, there is a slump, I think depth is a key. I think some of the the offensive and, and substitution changes, if there are in store, will be key to playing better for Indiana down the stretch, but... Most coaches have all of their stuff in. They're just going to make the changes per game that they need. Uh, and you really need to keep people mentally and physically uh, ready to play uh, down the stretch because there's so many games uh, quickly uh, a turn, turn around. And, and some of that, guys, is your schedule, too. If you have eight tough games at the end, you, you, you could run in and play some good basketball and, and lose some tough games, too. So there's a scheduling thing that is a little bit – out of your control. But uh, the last thing I will say from that is got to trust the process, and the process starts right now in July with what you're working on and building your skills, and you got to keep going back when times get tough and you have that one-game losing streak or that two-game losing streak. Trust the process and the confidence. Indiana, w- when the was tw- a 28-4 run, whatever the run is that saved their season against Michigan, they played with confidence up until, you know, they knew they were out of it um, against St. Mary's. Those confidence. Uh, the confidence is a key to continuous building uh, of success um, as the season goes on. Last question, guys. Um, and I, I just threw a couple things in that I found. Uh, and uh, Leslie Anderson asked, uh, any inside info on recruits, visits, camp, Jordan Hulls, new players, anything that you've heard going on on campus? I, I threw in there the, the young man from Brownsburg had an unofficial visit, uh, the Catchings kid. Xavier Booker seemed to have a really good – um, you know, visit and then uh, Jamie Kaiser, uh, Indiana's in his top nine or ten and he wants to visit uh, Indiana coming up in the fall. That's the information that I pulled. Griffin, have you heard anything uh, about uh, anything going on with uh, the summer workouts or recruits from your perspective?
2: Uh, I've heard the same thing about Booker. I heard uh, they feel like the I talked to somebody from IU. they feel like the visit went really well. Um, couldn't have gone better. Uh, was the term they use so that then again that kid's getting a lot of looks so it should be interesting to see how he comes down to his decision and um you know the kid's got to do what's best for him so um and what I will say is what's so cool to me about Woody's recruiting style is, it feels like he's taking the approach of hey we'd love to have you but we're going to keep the wheels turning whether we have you or don't and that's that's a tough thing to do as a head coach to sit back and kind of give a recruit that perspective uh and I kind of feel like that's the pitch what he's given out we want you but we're going to do cool things um as far as you know that goes I, I think the recruiting minimum's still there whether booker comes or not so should be fun to see
1: andy any anything that you've heard or seen about uh anything going on not, not
0: really i mean the the booker stuff is obviously the one people are most interested in um saw some of the reports that the visit was good I, you don't tend to see a whole lot of things that the visit was bad it's a little bit like the off-season stuff nobody <laughs> says man i had the worst time i've ever had there uh, i'm sure i'm wow. sure in the, in the history of time some people have probably said that and there have been some that have gone wrong i'm sure but i think uh and and for most of us the opportunity to go to bloomington would be how could it be a bad time so uh there's a, there's a component of that as well but that, that'll really be the one that people are watching but but i agree i think they're not casting an overly wide net as others may have done in the past, but I also think they're not so honed in on a few, on a small number of guys that if things don't go well with them, it really puts them in a bind. So I think they're doing a good job of balancing of that balancing act and being able to, if everything you hear about the way that Woodson is having conversations with the players that are on the team, presumably he's having similar conversations there where I think he's pretty candid with, here's the situation and, and understanding whether guys are or are in or out or who's really interested in things like that. So, uh, we'll see, but I, I, I don't tend to pay a ton of attention to the specifics of that. Uh, that kind of stuff, unfortunately, just not something I have a ton of time to do. Uh, but, uh, we'll certainly watch, watch for potential commitments and visits and, and things like that as we get uh, closer to the start of the season.
1: I know Ja'Kai Newton, uh, did not play, uh, um, in a Georgia event. I was supposed to get some tape on that and, and he did not play in that. Um, the, the power and page recruitment seem to be going well. And those guys are playing in some of the summer shootouts, so there will be clips uh, on social media and, and all of the websites. Uh, so go look uh, for some of those, how those guys uh, are playing. Gabe Cups uh, is still getting a lot of raves and reviews, uh, and, and he's signed – not signed, but he is committed uh, to Indiana. So – That'll do it for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Uh, Until then, keep your elbows in and eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Or I should have played Take it from me,
0: Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers.
2: Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You would never get your shot off
1: on me.
0: Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni.
1: (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I hope the draft went your way. I, I haven't caught up in... In who went I was, I was
0: I was looking a little bit big fair, fair amount of big Ten flavor outside of uh Ivy getting uh, Murray and, and Ivy getting selected uh Johnny Davis went 10th uh, and then uh, Malachi Branham had gone 20th so decent night for the uh, for the big Ten so very well good, Griffin appreciate you uh joining us are you still in bloomington or are you already relocated yet?
2: Uh, a little bit of both. So I, I moved in the apartment this past week and uh, just getting ready to get down there, just moving as slowly as possible out of moving. <laughs> so it's, it's a tough, tough removal.
0: Yeah. 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 Squeeze every, every last minute that you can out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. I am doing my best. I There's got, I got a few more nicks
2: visits left. Yeah, absolutely. Of trips. absolutely. So I'm going to it up as long as I can. I'm still a student, right? If I hold residency. Uh, yep. I think so. That checks out. So there we go. There we go. <laughs>
1: Well, we appreciate you being on and uh, we'll look forward to to seeing your work down there. Um, and make sure Rick treats you right, uh, down there. (laughs) He's as good as it gets. So you're in good hands. Yep. Um, well,
2: thanks guys. Thanks for having me on and hopefully we'll do this again sometime.
1: All right. And chat mob. Thanks. Sorry about the, the bot fight we had today. Um, Hey, if we could just make
2: those assembly call, like, ad bots to get on other people's shows, they yeah. we'd, we'd be set. That exactly. That's all we need.
1: <laughs> so, everyone have I'm a uh, good, solid weekend, and uh, we'll join join you again next Thursday. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll Thanks, see you.
0: everybody.
2: Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at.